13 to 23. All right. Um, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy. That leads to destruction, and those who enter it, enter by it, are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognise them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. For every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognise them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Hand over to Henry. Thank you. Good morning. How are we today? Good. How good's technology when it works? Excellent. Anyone else a little afraid of heights and found that a little bit disturbing on the roof? Just me. Okay. Excellent. All right. Uh, hey, if, if you are new, welcome. I would like to add my welcome. My name's Henry, and it's great to be here this morning. I get the privilege of sharing God's Word with you through a sermon. Have you ever tried to do something good, or you, at least you thought you were doing something good, and it didn't turn out so well? Things got hard and tricky along the way. Uh, that, was, uh, that was my situation probably 20-ish, 20-plus years ago. Uh, it was time for us to get a new car. Uh, we were, oh, we'd only been married a few years, not that long. Uh, we needed a second car. We decided we were going to go and get a little car. It's, oh, it's already up on the screen. Excellent. A little, uh, we, we did a bit of shopping around and we found that there was this car yard that was, it had an, like an end-of-model run out, end of financial year, sale, this big sale on, we thought we can get this cute little car, good little car, really cheap price, really big special deal. Uh, and so we decided, we, we worked out our budget and, and this is what we were going to get. It was supposed to be Felicity's kind of car. We, I had the big Commodore station wagon uh, and this was our second run around car that we thought Felicity was going to drive. So I wanted to get something extra special. So we got a red one with a spoiler. It was a cool little race car. And, you know, that nice angle that they take the photos, you can tell that's a zippy little... Uh, it was a manual, so you really had to drive it. Those of you that like manuals, great little car. Well, we went, I went in and I ordered the car and uh, they told me it was going to take, I don't know, a week or two for it to be delivered and ready and all this kind of thing. So we were patiently waiting for this new car. And then came Friday afternoon when I was to go and pick up our new car. We were very excited. Uh, I was working as a youth worker at Edwardstown Baptist Church at that stage, uh, and so we were living at St. Mary's, um, and the car yard was not too far, just a couple of kilometres up the road from the church, uh, and I had youth group on that Friday night, 
And I had to be there probably like 7 p.m. to be there ready with the youth leaders to run youth group. Uh, And I had to get to the car yard at about 4 p.m., give it a good hour before the car yard closes so that we can get all the paperwork sorted. I thought it was going to be easy. You go in, you take the bank check, you sign a form, and you take the keys and go. Oh, little did I know. We went into the car, uh, car yard and they said, oh, look, it's not quite ready yet. It's, it's being detailed or unloaded from a truck or, or there was some reason it wasn't quite ready. So I had to wait around for a while. And then finally they said, yes, it's ready now. We can start the paperwork, sign this, sign that, do this, do this, do that. Uh, one guy passed me to another guy. And we had to do some more paperwork. And this guy passed me to uh, a a woman and she wanted to sell me window tinting and rust proofing and mag wheels and all sorts of extras that I'd never heard of before. And that's another half an hour trying to say, no, no, I I just want my car. She passed me back to the first guy who then said, okay, we're ready to go. You've got the check. Excellent. Great. Sign, 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 sign. I thought it's past five o'clock now. Uh, dinner's going to be ready soon. I've got to get ready for you. I'm starting to stress a little bit, get a little bit worried, get a little bit anxious. And the guy says to me, fantastic, I think we're all set to go. Have you got your insurance sorted out? I said, sorry? What, what do you mean? Well, you cannot drive this off the lot unless it's insured. I said, it's, it's after five o'clock on a Friday night. Who do I ring about insurance after? So I started really getting worried. I'm, I'm not going to get my car tonight and Felicity's waiting and dinner's and youth group. And he said, well, you know what? We've got insurance. <laughs> yeah, twice the price of any other insurance in the world. And I had to sign. And anyway, it was this whole drama and I was trying so hard to do the right thing. But it just got really difficult. Maybe you haven't had that experience, but we've all had experiences like that. Life isn't easy. We know life's not easy. And despite our best efforts to make life as comfortable and enjoyable as possible, we're going to face problems and difficulties and challenges of every kind. And being a follower of Jesus doesn't necessarily make it easier. Being a follower of Jesus doesn't make all the problems disappear, does it? It doesn't suddenly make everything turn out the way we want. And then when we get to those moments in life where things aren't turning out the way we want, where things are difficult, things are hard, often it forces us to reevaluate things, doesn't it? Who do we really trust? What do we really believe? And how do we... How do we live when things aren't turning out the way that we thought they should or the way that we want? And what things in our life are important and what things in our life that we're chasing are really worth it? The big questions that we evaluate when things aren't going the way we think. How do I know I'm heading in the right direction in my life? How do I know I'm living out this Christian life the right way when things aren't working out? Am I doing something wrong? Is God punishing me for for not living out the right way? Is it meant to be this hard? What's most important? The question I have for us this morning is this. How can I know for sure 
that I'm on the right path to the kingdom. We're in the middle of a series. We're in Matthew, uh, the Sermons from the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6 and 7. We're getting towards the end. I think we've got one more message on this topic to come just after Easter. This morning we're in Matthew chapter 7. The Bible reading read for us 13 to 23. Jesus is teaching his disciples and there's the crowd that have clamored around as well. So in a sense he's teaching his disciples and teaching the crowd as well. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, it said that Jesus had been going throughout Galilee proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. He's been teaching them what it takes to be a citizen of God's kingdom. What kind of person they needed to be. Who were the ones that God was truly pleased with? What should their priorities be? What things were important? To God. And what Jesus taught as he's up on that hillside was surprising to the people because it wasn't the same thing that the scribes and the Pharisees and the religious leaders had been saying for the last number of years. And this morning, Jesus is coming towards the end of this sermon, if you like. And he starts to get really pointed and I think really practical. You see, they were were about to face real struggle. As Jesus had his ministry and then went to the cross and was crucified and the church began, not long until they would be suffering persecution in the first century. And Matthew, recording Jesus' words here, is writing to that first century church in the midst of persecution when the world is against them. Real daily life struggles, often life and death struggles. And so Matthew, I think, is concerned about how they, and and it's for us today, how they can know for sure that they were on the right path to the kingdom. And what we're going to see this morning is three critical things. Three things that are critical in terms of knowing that you're on the right path to the kingdom. The first one is where we start. The second one we'll see is who we follow. And the third one is what we focus on. Where we start, who we follow, and what we focus on. The first point is we need to start in the right place. This journey to the kingdom, we need to start in the right place. Verse 13, Jesus says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Jesus says there are two gates, two entrances, two starting points, if you like, in this journey to the kingdom. And the first one is obvious. It's wide. It's popular. The way looks easy and there's plenty of company. This pathway looks good, but unfortunately it leads to destruction. Through this gate... And on this path, you can take whatever you want. You can go with whoever you want. There's plenty of room. You can do whatever you want on this pathway, the wide gate. 
It's really appealing. And there are many people on it. But it's also the pathway to destruction. It's not the journey to the kingdom. But there's a second gate. The second gate is smaller. It's narrower. It's harder to see and it's harder to get through. You can't take all your stuff. There are hills and valleys. There's pit stops and speed humps along the way. And there are times when you may feel like you're traveling this journey all on your own. And Jesus says this one. This path is the one that leads to life. This hard and lonely path is the one that leads to the kingdom. Now obviously here Jesus is using a metaphor. We're not looking for a gate. We're not out there wondering, is this secret garden? Is, this, is there a gate here? Is this, is this it? It's a metaphor. There aren't two literal gates. But there are two ways to journey through life. And there are two destinations and there are two different starting points. But only one leads to life in the kingdom. And Jesus has already told us in the series that we've been going through that it's the way of his righteousness, not our own. It's the way of humility, It's the way of forgiveness. It's the way of loving your enemies. It's the way of seeking his kingdom, not my own pleasure and wealth. And so it shouldn't surprise us that most people choose their own way. Why is the pathway to the kingdom more difficult, lonelier and harder? Did God intentionally make the road harder because he loves to mess with us? The gate is narrow because the only way in is Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. You see, the invitation is wide. The invitation is to all. Everyone's invited. Everyone's welcome. But there's only one way in. Faith in Jesus Christ. And there are few that find it because as broken humans, we just prefer to trust ourselves. We prefer to put our faith in ourselves and we refuse to admit that we need him. The kingdom way seems hard and lonely because it's hard to live in humility, isn't it? It's hard to love those who don't love us back. It's hard to forgive those who hurt us. Especially in this world that we live in that tells us constantly to live for yourself and to live for your own pleasure and happiness. And so the way seems hard and you'll feel lonely at times. But that's when you remember the promise of God. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And so Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate. How can I know for sure I'm on the right path to the kingdom? Start at the right gate. 
Start at the right gate. Now let's face it. Making that first decision to start might be easy, but there's a whole journey to come. Anybody watch the movie The Princess Bride? Some of you know, if you haven't seen it, you need to see it. The Princess Bride, young Wesley has determined to pursue and win his princess. He's made his decision. But there was always going to be a difficult journey ahead. Like all good stories, the harder the journey, the more worthwhile is the prize. And so Wesley faces the fire swamp. He faces the pits of despair, the rodents of unusual size, and the cliffs of insanity. Sounds like the Christian life, right? And then after that, he has to wrestle with Fezzik, he has to duel with Inigo, and he has to outsmart Vizzini. All to win the princess. On our journey to the kingdom, our lives will be filled with pits of despair, cliffs of insanity and fire-filled swamps, not to mention battles of our strength and skill and wits. But the end will be worth it. The destination is the kingdom. And the prize is eternal life with our Saviour, Jesus Christ. And he is with us all the way. Jesus continues. And he says along the way, one of the potential pitfalls that we will face are those people that we choose to follow. (coughs) Excuse me. And so he warns us to be careful who we follow. Verses 15 to 20. He says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Rhetorical question, answer, no. So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Along the way there will be false prophets. People who claim to speak for God and speak his word. And it may not be obvious by their outward appearance. I'm sure they will dress well and say the right things perhaps. But Jesus, using another metaphor, says they're wolves disguised in sheep's clothing. It's kind of a humorous picture, really. Imagine a wolf putting on the skin of a sheep and sneaking into the flock. But see, it's not humorous because the wolves are ravenous and their purpose is to eat and destroy the sheep. It made me think of some of the scam calls I've been getting lately. Who's, who's been getting those? Text messages, emails, phone calls. A lady rang the other day. You know, I don't know what the latest iPhone is, 15, 16, 27. But you've won! Cool, what do I have to do to get it? Oh, well, you know, give us... No, no, you should already have my details. Just send it to me. It's fine. Click. It sounds too good to be true what they're trying to sell you. How do you recognize these false prophets? By their fruit. By what their lives produce. Like fruit trees, good trees produce 
good fruit. Bad trees bear bad fruit. What's the fruit? Best-selling books? Fantastic popular podcasts? Big ministries, popularity, success, results? I want to suggest the next passage we look at may refer to this. I want to suggest this morning that fruit takes time. Yesterday I bought a plum tree. We're going to put it in our front yard. I love plums. It's a, it's a satsuma plum which has the dark flesh. Our, my mind immediately goes back to when I was a kid and we had a plum tree and it was so good. I told my daughter this last night. bought a plum tree. Oh, I love plums. When do we get them? It's about this big. It's going to take a while. Fruit takes time. Reputations are earned. Perhaps the fruit of the Spirit is more important than the success of someone's ministry. See, in Galatians 5, and 23, we're told that the fruit of the Spirit, the thing that the Holy Spirit produces in a believer is love. Joy, peace, patience. These are the things to look for in a person's life. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so this Christian leader that you look up to, that you listen to, that perhaps you try and model your life on, what are they known for? Impressive ministries, powerful preaching, precise doctrine, or are they known for being a spirit-filled person of character? Do they love their neighbor? Do they find their joy in the Lord? Are they a person of peace and patience? Or are they known for being impatient and aggressive? Are they kind and faithful and gentle? Or are they bullish, selfish, unfriendly? It seems like every second day I'm hearing stories of so-called successful pastors who are being found out as bullies, as greedy, as impatient, as angry. All in the name of Jesus. And yet we follow them. We buy their books, we listen to their podcasts. Yeah, perhaps if we didn't fanboy over celebrity pastors so much, we wouldn't be as disappointed. Perhaps if we didn't appoint people to positions of influence so quickly, we would see the real fruit of their lives and save ourselves a lot of trouble and embarrassment. Beware of false prophets. How can I know for sure that I'm on the right path to the kingdom? Start at the right gate. Follow the right leaders. I think I've mentioned this one before. Uh, You know that I coach a women's footy team. Every now and then we find ourselves playing a game where everything seems to go wrong. First, it's a couple of umpires' calls. 
And it kind of starts to get everybody on edge. It didn't go the way we think. The players get annoyed. And from then on, once the umpires made a couple of mistakes, they can do nothing right. Everybody's upset at every decision they make. People get frustrated. People get annoyed and more angry. Perhaps then an injury occurs and we lose a player. One thing after another after another. And you can see the ripples throughout the whole team as the whole team loses the plot. Morale is down. And the performance of the team just quickly evaporates into a mess. You know this is not going to end well. It's at that point the team needs someone, probably the coach, possibly a player, to step up and remind us of what we need to be focusing on. We stop, we refocus, we remind ourselves to let go of those things that we can't control. We can't control the umpire's decisions, the injuries, what the other team's doing, but we can control what we're doing. So we need to stop and refocus. What are our priorities? Jesus continues in Matthew with a reminder of what's really important as we make our way on a journey to the kingdom. Verse 21 to 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And cast out demons in your name? And do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Do you know, not everyone that we meet on our journey to the kingdom who says that they're on the same journey is actually on their way there. In fact, there are those who say they are and may even look like they are, but they're actually imposters on the journey and they do a great job of distracting us from what's really important in this passage i'm not sure i I have personally i have a feeling it's connected to the last passage the false prophets but it could just be general people along the way but we can be tempted to listen to them or to be like them and prioritize the wrong things we prioritize words lord lord Jesus says just saying the right words is not proof of someone's faith. Many will use Jesus' name. Many will claim to be genuine believers. And Jesus says, be careful. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom. We also prioritize ministry results. But they prophesy in Jesus' name. But have you seen them? They've been casting out demons in Jesus' name. They've been doing miraculous things in Jesus' name. Surely these are signs of genuine faith. Jesus says, there will be many who claim to have done great things in Jesus' name who will miss out on the kingdom. That's a sobering thought. And he will say to them, I never knew you. 
I never knew you. In fact, Jesus will say to them, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. They, they think they're doing these great things in Jesus' name and yet Jesus calls it lawlessness. Why? Because despite their impressive abilities to speak the word of God and perform miraculous deeds, they have not prioritized the right thing. You won't get to heaven by being a great teacher of correct doctrine or by having a powerful ministry with impressive numbers. So what's the right priority? Jesus says, who will enter the kingdom of heaven? The one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. There's no point having an impressive looking ministry if you're not living in obedience to the Father's will. There's no point having lots of money or power or influence or a fantastic career or a big house or a great reputation or just perfect theology or fantastic politics or a happy family. What's the point of all those things if you're not living in obedience to the Father's will? That might raise a question. Doing God's will. So, so is salvation by works then? No, salvation is always by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. But obedience to God's will is the fruit of that faith, the evidence of that faith. Perhaps that's why fruit is so important. And how do we know the Father's will? I want to suggest that he's revealed it in his word. We have it written for us, concrete. You can, you can literally, what I love about the actual Bible, not just my, my cell phone Bible, is you can touch it, you can feel it, it's concrete, you can read it, you can study it. We know what it says. In fact, Jesus is going to finish this Sermon on the Mount, and we're going to look at it in a couple of weeks, by telling a story about two men, one wise and one foolish. And the only difference between the two is that the wise one responded correctly to the words of God. We'll leave that for a couple of weeks' time. How can I know for sure that I'm on the right path to the kingdom? Start at the right gate. Jesus. Follow the right leaders. Watching for their fruit. And focus on the right priorities. Daily living in obedience to the Father's will. How does that apply to us? Maybe just for a minute we can stop and ask ourselves a couple of questions. Have I started at the right place? Have you ever come to that point where you've acknowledged that Jesus is the only entry point to eternal life? Jesus is not simply one of the options. He's not just a pretty good choice. Faith in him is the only way to life. 
And if you haven't come to that point where Jesus is your starting point to eternal life, and the question I have for you this morning as gently and as respectfully as I can is, so then which path are you on? Second question, am I following the right leaders? Who do you read? Who do you listen to? Maybe you've got that Jesus TV channel. Who do you watch? What fruit is their life producing? Are you quick to jump on board or are you discerning? My encouragement is don't make an idol of any Christian teachers or leaders. We've all got faults and failings. We'll all let you down at some point. (coughs) But be patient. Watch for good fruit and pray for them. My third question is, am I focused on the right priorities? Am I more concerned with doing great things for Jesus or simply by living in obedience to Jesus? It's good to be involved in ministry, but don't let your ministry become your identity. Be a disciple. Be a follower of Jesus who loves to sit at his feet and to learn from him and then go and live as he's taught us. Start at the right place. Follow the right leaders. Focus on the right priorities. Would you pray with me? Father, we live in this world And this world is not set up to encourage faith, to encourage Christians to live the lives that we should be living. In fact, it seems like everything is against us in living that way. But you have told us what is true. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are the way, the truth and the life. Not just for eternity, but for now. And so, Father, as we consider these things, Lord, my prayer is that we would know and have assurance that we have started in the right place with Jesus Christ. And Lord, protect us and deliver us along the way from evil, from false prophets, from false teachers, Help us to be wise and discerning. And Lord, help us to focus on the right priorities, that we would take the time to know your will and to obey it. And Father, we thank you for the presence of your Spirit within us to to strengthen us and to enable us and to empower us to be able to live the way that you want. And regardless of the difficulties along the way, Father, we thank you that you have promised that you will never leave us or forsake us. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.